0: Hello and welcome back. This is another episode of the Soapy Rao Show. It's lovely to have you here. And um, as always, there's some earth-shattering stuff that I want to talk about. No, not really. Um, I don't know why I have nothing earth-shattering to talk about. But, um, hmm, interesting. But, you know, honestly, man, I I really feel of... I don't know what I feel after, uh, you know, listening to and, um, you know, finding out about that um, submersible that recently, you know, imploded... Um, of course i'm not a an expert a submariner by any means and don't know anything about the details because if you ask anyone i overheard a few people that i was out of a friend's place and they were talking about the the hull and the integrity of the hull was compromised the design was flawed they didn't go through the right channels of approval they didn't get the right certificates they didn't get the licensing properly done they did not international i don't know any of it i've read some of it but i'm going clearly from the outset say i have no fucking clue about submarines just that i am freaked out by anything underwater uh short or prolonged like if it's in a swimming pool i'll submerge myself and that's pretty much the extent of my submersible capabilities like i'll go in i'll blow out some bubbles and then i'll come out like crazy I like i freak out because I don't know, some people are like, I'm a water baby. And some other friends are like, oh, dude, I just love the water. I can be in the water the whole day. I can scuba dive. I can, I can't. Uh, I remember once attempting snorkeling. I think uh, my wife and I, uh, Nivi and I were in Philippines in some small little island called Porta Galera. It was beautiful. It was uh, one of these small canoes, which was motorized. And the guy, uh, we took these scuba boots, these little booties with the flippers. And then they gave us this, Eyepiece, this one, one, one face piece, whatever it's called, face mask, and then they put us this this little mouth thing. What's it called? It it's got a word. Anyway, I don't know. What it's, just you bite onto it, and I'm first thing in my hand, I'm like, who else is bitten onto this? Ugh! And then you have this snorkel sticking out. And the moment I jumped into the water, I felt like those flippers were dragging me down. And my wife said, just relax, just let the flippers float to you. I'm like, fuck that! It's like something's pulling me down, and after. You probably heard this from me before. After watching Jaws, anything with more than five, six, seven feet of depth gives me the fucking creeps. Um, I don't know what it is. And apparently, they had a lot of coral there. So, my, like, Nivi was just like half the time, just wow. And then I was getting bored. So, I, I jumped out of the boat pretty quickly. I freaked out, came back on the boat, took off those things. Actually, I kept them on for some time. It looks cooler uh, on the boat than it feels underwater. And then I got bored after 15 minutes. So, then I told the guy, Do you mind if we just go and get some beers, because now that's the kind of water. I can be under, I can be over, I can be in, I can be out. And then we started the boat, and we started going, and then my wife's head pops up. She's like, where do you think you're going? And I said, we're going to get some beer. Would you mind waiting around here with the coral, which is so beautiful, which makes you feel one with the planet? So no, then no, no, I'm coming along. So then we said, ah, by the time she gets onto the boat, it's going to take too long. Every second is precious when you're hunting beer in an island, uh, off an island, I don't know. So then we made a hold on to the side, and we chugged along, and yeah. Anyway, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about, but um, firstly, it's fucking freaky, man, going down, what, 3.8 miles, 4 miles, 6.5 kilometers to see that boat. I mean, first of all, I think that ship is jinxed. Um, Nah, I don't think the ship is jinxed. The guy messed up movie Titanic. I think he was looking at Kate Winslet's tits, and then he lost focus and hit the iceberg. But that's the true story of how the Titanic sank. But... What I really think was it went down many, many years ago. And I I watched the Titanic one uh, many years ago as well. It was just right after when the ship shank, ship shank, the ship sank. Um, Yeah, but, you know, obviously James Cameron has a lot to say on this issue because he's one of those deep sea explorers, explorers and explorers themselves. First of all, this had some crazy people uh, who were willing to do crazy things. And one of them even went to outer space and, yeah, it's it's their thing, right? And I really respect that level of dedication. Um, you know, like the guy who took his son, the other guy, I don't know their names, but the businessman uh, who really had a... And I think that needs to be some kind of extra level of uh, curiosity or extra level of drive or extra level of... I don't know what it is for life that makes them, once they reach that level of whatever success or comfort or... Uh, ability to kind of just sit back that makes certain people push beyond right to go i don't know if it's status because this was just to go to the depths and find out about the titanic and there was obviously previous explorations where they found things but all of that, I think the couple of things that amaze me are that there's that, that human spirit to go down there, that that, that risk taking ability, which is crazy, which not all of us have. Like, you know, I think back even sometimes when I read these books of the initial settlers or the initial, um, you know, people who would go to these continents and, you know, guys who go to the South Pole, who would go to Everest. I read this book called Paths of Glory by Geoffrey uh, Archer, which was about George Mallory uh, coming across from England. Um, not knowing what they're going to encounter, just knowing that there's a mountain, then mapping everything, and then just fuck that takes some level of human. I would say determination, uh, this this eagerness, this 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 need for understanding, this need for knowing, curiosity, courage. It's just brilliant that. And in today's day and age, when we think that everything is discovered, everything that needs to be mapped has been done, everything that needs to be explored has been explored, then they go to the deep and the depths of these places, which are six miles, five miles, four miles. I don't know, the Titanic, that maybe that was one of the things that they wanted to see, but just go into that depth. I mean, I told you, 15 feet or seven feet, I, I cap out, man. But to go in that and then having that happen to you, uh, it's, you know, obviously horrible and it's fucking scary see as i stay on the fucking land but of course something can happen on land as well but it's just whew, man i can't even imagine that kind of panic when that level of pressure is put on and it implodes and i don't know i just hope it was painless oh yeah because yeah when it comes to it i i don't think i'll make a good explorer i'll safely wait for others to go where no man has gone before. And then I will wait for the travel agent to say it's now fine. But the problem with that is that you don't get the, the serenity. You don't get the pristine first glimpse of these places. right? You don't get to be the Because now Mount Everest is just like fucking walking down Brigade Road. You know, just, yeah, fucking three people have died. Heat stroke or whatever, cold. And then it's jam. You get literally 30 seconds to be on the peak or the summit of the tallest mountain. So it's become... You know, very commercial, which is, of course, what happens if you wait for everyone to go or the first groundbreakers to go get the first glimpse. They get all of it, right? It comes at a huge risk, but they get to chill for like hours on end or how much of a time the weather permits it. But even these guys, if they'd gone down or people like James Cameron went down, you get some of the best shots. You get some of the best time with these, um, these, these, you know, these, these pieces of history or these natural wonders or... Whatever you've gone to explore. And some researchers go down. But yeah, there's there's a bit of a trade-off. So what what are you willing to settle for? Because I I'd like to be like maybe not even the third or fourth. Like once they build a decent sized like sort of hotel close by or, you know, they have like a um like an underwater elevator or something. Then I'm like, yeah, you know what? Okay, cool. Even then I'm like, Fuck. I don't like I don't like confined spaces whether there's a lift or whether it's a underground bunker. Like um when you know a few years back uh we won we won this kind of trip to South Korea. Not kind of, but we did win this trip to Seoul. And one of those things they had chalked in the calendar for us to go see were those were those tunnels at the near the demilitarized zone between South and North Korea. I didn't go dude. Yeah. Fuck it. So yeah. I, I don't like confined spaces. So yeah the whole submersible idea, the whole I mean, some people say being underwater feels like the most amazing experience because it's a vast expanse of emptiness. um, And you get this beautiful light that kind of seeps through the water. You get the silence that only underwater can, you know, give you. And you have a fucking shark, which, of course, is beautiful. I don't know. I just have this. Maybe it's my flaw. Maybe it's my weakness. Maybe it's my fear. But fuck it. I'm proud of it because I'm not going there. I'm not designed to be underwater. Their lungs are good to have a cigarette on, air, on land. So just putting that out there. But if that's your, uh, whatever floats your boat, if you're, of course, going to sick. Anyway, so yeah, first of all, I salute those, uh, the bravery and the courage and the determination and the dedication and the the willingness to push the boundaries of human potential. But it also sucks horribly for all those people, especially, you know, the family, like, oh, just I don't even know these people and I'm just like, man, what were those last seconds like? Hopefully painless, but what, you know, and having to live with that, just terrible. And that's another thing, right? The people who they leave behind, like George Mallory in the book, his wife, or like Francis Drake, his wife, or whoever these explorers are, they always leave someone behind and those people have to deal with it, right? Deal with the loss because these guys have this itch to be curious and explore, but clearly lives are shattered, lives are hurt. So I don't know. I don't have the answers. But you can also be at home your whole life with that partner. And after a point, they're like, fuck, I hope he dies, you know. So they're both extremes. And I think somewhere in the middle, don't be an explorer, don't be a bore. I think somewhere in the middle, go out for a little bit. Like, what did you find today, honey? Well, I discovered this crazy strain of new carrots at Namdari Vegetables. Or this new flavor of Lay's chips. You can be an explorer in your own way. i went exploring and I found out that I can put my dick in a rabbit hole or something. I don't know. I don't know why I had to go down the dick. Uh, Sandeep. I don't have to go there, but I did. Sorry, my screen kind of blacked out. Anyway, uh, before I go into rabbit holes where my dick shouldn't go, let me talk about today's guest. Mr. Kobe Black is a digital advertising Well, he's a digital creator who specializes in advertising. He's been in the field for over 20 years. And I had a lovely chat because Kobe's one of those people I just instantly connected with. We speak about money, money things. We speak about being fathers. We speak about kind of navigating life in our 40s. We talk about the sort of experience of living through certain times which you think you're prepared for, but you're not this idea of family and friends and creating a sense of community and kind of understanding what... Um, lays ahead what lies ahead for us as fathers and also i think for many people right what, what what lies ahead is a very unknown and you kind of project with today's information thinking that we know what the future holds but many times it's just you know what it's best to just say it's uncertain and i'm just going to go with today as my frame of reference and just continue doing what i'm doing because many times you don't know what the future holds for you so yes amongst other things we speak about Um, the impact of advertising and how that shapes our minds, influencers, and how that's sort of the new space where advertising has gone and what that holds in store for us. And yeah, and frankly, just a fun conversation where we cover a lot of things and I can pretend to do a proper introduction say, and then this might benefit you and this you might appreciate and that you might understand and that you might resonate with and this might be relevant to you. But honestly, fucking listen to it. You'll have fun because Kobe and I, um hit it off and we had a fun chat and yeah thank you for listening and of course kobe if you're listening appreciate you being on the show and till next week take care of yourself my friend as always i really appreciate you coming and listening week in week out all right till then take care god bless take care of yourself cheers i said take care twice Mm, doesn't matter Kobe Black, it's absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: You know, I, I I interrupted our conversation before I started recording because I wanted to get that on air. Because sometimes you just meet someone and we've never connected before, and we just hit the road running. And it's absolutely fantastic because we were talking uh, about our respective daughters and you know it's it's amazing what you were saying because there's this idea of you know we're, we're going back a few years to 2020 2021 and that's when your wife and you you had your baby during the lockdown and then everything kept getting pushed forward right like there's until this particular parameter is met we're not going to open up or until this is particularly followed we're not going to go out or this is done we're not going to go back to work it just seemed this idea of fear led decision making by governments by authorities which kind of sort of transpired into our way of life, right? Because we became these people, um, evidently conditioned to fall for these, uh, these messages. Uh, and how was everything you had done till then, uh, prepared you? How did, it, how did it prepare you for fatherhood, for, uh, being in a situation like that, which was so, uh, unknown, uncertain, and also full of fear? Uh, so everything you had learned in life, were you ready for what, what, what you were dealt? absolutely
1: not <laughs> like, like, like there's parenting books back here that i read right they're pretty as a backdrop i read them and i'm like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no 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 not prepared at all and and it's funny because uh um uh, uh my daughter was born september 1st 2021 um, mm-hmm. the evening of September 1st, 2021, a, mm-hmm. a, a hurricane or remnants of a hurricane hit New York City. Oh, um, okay. and, uh, we were in the hospital, everything was fine. And it was, it was like, we were, we were obviously wiped out, uh, you know, just huge highs and joys. And we laid down at eight o'clock that night, we're out and sleep. And then the, the storm hit. And uh, I woke up the next morning and was like looking on Instagram and I had a, I got a, I got a nephew that was a freshman at NYU and he had pictures of his dorm with like water and flooding in it. I was like, what happened? We are half a mile away from that. Oh my God. Uh, And then the second night rolls around and it's, and we like clearly slept, we slept like the proverbial babies that first night. Wiped out. Great. We wake up the next morning. I go out and get newspapers and everything's beautiful and great. and The sun shining. Like this is great. Second night uh kids crying all night like every won't won't settle down Just crying crying sleeping in the room with us nurses are coming in every like 20 30 minutes checking checking on her checking on us checking on mom uh and then finally at like 11 o'clock we're like four hours deep of crying with this kid pretty consistently One of the nurses just goes, "Oh yeah, it's second night syndrome," and just leaves. And I'm like, "Wait, what?" And I Google it, and there's this like phenomenon that the second night of a kid, the first night of a kid's life, everybody's wiped out and tired, and just seems kind of dream state, and all the emotions, and your adrenaline runs out, you crash, you fall asleep. Second night, kid realizes, "Shit, I'm stuck here. Like, I'm not going back in that cool, warm, safe place. This is where I live Mm. now." And the kid freaks out. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like all these friends and family members had kids before us. Uh and 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 nobody mentioned this to me. So like we get home in you know, a couple of days or whatever, and I get in the elevator with this guy that lives in a building, and uh his wife is pregnant. His he, his wife is like six months pregnant, and I go, uh uh Rob, I'm gonna tell you something. Uh we're on day three, day four, it is harder than I thought it would be. And there's this thing called second night syndrome. Google it now. We went to all these classes, I read all his books, nobody ever mentioned this stupid thing to me. And he and I and I like, I, you know, I tell him, and he's literally like up against the wall of the elevator, like about to run away. Like he's afraid of me and scared. Like I just put the fear of everything into him, right. And uh, I get up to our apartment. I walk in. I go, oh, I saw Rob in the elevator. And my wife's like, oh, how's his wife doing? And I go, yeah, I, I may have gone a little too hard with Rob. I think <laughs> he scared the crap out of him. Like all the blood drains out of his head. And I told him about was like, My wife's like, you've got to, you can't do that. Like hold, you know, She's like, he's going to run away. <laughs> and so uh, like I run it. Anyway, I run into to Rob like after like the night or two. Uh, I ran into him actually when they brought the kid home. And, uh, and uh, I go, dude, how's it going? And he goes, second night, kid was crying and screaming his head off. And I just went. Colby was right, and uh,
0: you prepared me. <laughs> and, like,
1: nice. out. and it's like i have told like four or five parents this, is it's coming to dads especially, and like they're all like, "What
0: the hell?" You know. Sometimes uh, I, I, I think you know. I was telling you, um, you kind of get so caught up in your own head about you know being, um, in, in in that role, you know, and of course as a father, you have all these, um, you put this pressure on yourself, right? Like you want to be the best father. You want this. You want to be the best in that role. You've been you've you've taken up and. And many times, you know, any, any new avenue you walk down, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new manifestation of your interest or whatever it may be, those sometimes the baggage you hold on to, it, it takes, it sort of, you know, rears its head and it's kind of uh, those patterns do repeat itself. But especially as a father, I think what happens is this need to kind of, um, you know, say this is my child and in the process you know if, if if you feel like you're letting go that you feel that you're not going to be there for her but you know some, someone is telling me the most important thing is to understand that uh, you know y- your relationship with your child son or daughter is, is irreplaceable by anyone else right because yeah. uh, but at the same time for them to develop this relationship is part of their life like they need to have the relationship with their grandparents, with their cousins, with their uncles and their aunts, because that's what their life is, right? By you, by by you denying them that, that, you create this sense of oh, you know, I've done what I can, keeping her close to me, but you're depriving them of a life which they have to live. Which I find, um, you know, very important to remember. Yeah,
1: and it's also interesting that again uh, you know, the the. the, the One probably my famous my my favorite quote is from Anais Nin and it's uh we see the world as we are not as it is right yeah yeah and it's interesting to uh like I had I only had one grandparent that I was really around much and close to that was all my grandparents two of them three of them died 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 by the time I was two so I had one grandparent that I was super close to she lived across town and uh, that grandmother to me was just like the most amazing thing and perfect thing and she took care of me a lot and we hung out together and we had the same birthday and so i like, had a really good close bond with her and you know mm. i just did for the first until my child got here when i was 45 like i was like 45 years of grandparents are magic right mm. um when the grandparents started to come up here to visit my daughter as a parent i was like grandparents suck <laughs> 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 like well first of all like none of our grand none of our none of our grand none of, the, none of my child's grandparents, none of our my parents and in-laws whatever uh live in New York, so they're not New York literate, right? Uh, and so they would come up here, and it would just be like having another child, right? Like I had someone else I had to make their meal decisions for and get mm. them on the train or get them on the car and drive them around and get them in their car and get them in the, their Airbnb or like, you know what I mean? So it was like I had an extra kid who also couldn't take care of my kid. <laughs> like they weren't changing diapers. They weren't, like the kid would start crying, and they would be like, what do I do? And I'm like, yeah. how did you raise me and my wife? Like, how did you guys what are we doing now? And there's How? the sense,
0: you know, as a kid, you loved your grandparents. Like I, I, I yeah. when when I was growing up, two of my grandparents were around my dad's, uh, my mum, my dad's mom and my mom's dad. And I, they really doted on me, right? And whatever, uh yeah. the, the memories I have. But now it's like, I'm sure my, my my baby's daughter's only one, so I'm sure she can't yeah. think. But those things, those impressions are so profound that they're not, at this point, they're not sort of reading out books, whatever, but she loves being around them, right? Both sets of grandparents. She okay. has both sets of grandparents, which I think is fantastic. So I get it. Like, even though I love, and now as a, as a parent who is the intermediary between her and the grandparent, yeah. I get irritated beyond anything. I'm like, guys, can you just shut the fuck up, right? Like, you don't know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> well, and like you know, we t- you were talking about like bringing your own baggage or mistakes or reliving yeah. this thing or, or whatever. Now you're, now you're a parent. Like uh, it is also interesting parenting the grandparents a little bit. Like, yeah. like my mom is just constantly like, Oh, you're so pretty. You're such a pretty baby." Not to me. I am mean, obviously pretty, but like to my baby, to yeah. my child is like, you're so pretty. Oh, look who's so pretty. Look how so pretty. And I, and it, and it, and it immediately started irritating me even when she was just, you know a month old when my daughter's just a month old uh and so i and i've I've been buying my time and buying my tongue i was like when is it that i finally say like let's find other things to comment on for Mm. this kid than just her looks right because like uh hopefully my daughter will look a lot like my wife but there's a chance she's gonna look like me and that would be bad for her in the looks department (laughs) so like uh you know there's a chance there's a 50 50, it's a coin toss my kid might be as ugly as me right Mm -hmm. uh and so like like let's 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 start half preparing for that half reality that like maybe maybe let's comment on her curiosity let's comment on how kind she was how great it was that she just shared how great how how curious she is like let's things that she's doing but
0: things not things that she is right 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 Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and like you know, if if my daughter should happen to be attractive, I have no doubt that uh, society will inform her of that. Like, like, but uh, if my daughter is curious or kind or smart, uh, I don't know that society will, will, will reward her and comment on that and build her up for that. So like, so I'm going yeah. to, we're, we're going to zag where society zigs and we're going to bring, uh, you know, try to fertilize the parts that we want that we can and like you know we can we can steer her in theory to be more kind and curious and reward her. Well, i guess we can we can reward her kindness and her curiosity
0: and the uh, looks as you said it's, the beauty, thing is yeah. that's one of those things that is, is whether you know we like it or not it is such a big pillar of our modern day society right whether it's good or bad but i, I yeah it's very interesting you mentioned this uh these these other traits or these other behavior uh which is not recognized and not given enough um sort of attention by by people right like empathy consideration um yeah. you know recognizing those things in, in people and helping out and being empathetic and i mean i don't know if those are the exact words or emotions but uh where do you draw the line when it comes to because see, it's it's it sort of reflects two different ways of bringing up a child right because you live in the US, help is hard to come by. Your parents also live farther away. You know, it's your wife and you're pretty much doing most of the work. But in India, even though my wife and I are doing a lot of the, um, you know, the, the the work, it's we have a lot of lot more help. My, we live with my parents. We have extended family living right the, her grandparents. So it's a it's similar yet very different. Um, yeah. but as a result yours might seem harder work but it's also a lot more scope for you guys to raise your child in the way with your value system and also put yeah. in a lot more inputs that are uh align with you too right but here yeah. while it comes with certain benefits and comes with certain help there is a lot more uh lines being crossed right people uh, kind of the way you know she she observes people around speaking whether it's the staff at home whether it's my parents and and unconsciously picking up on certain things right and um, yeah. even other things like value systems like the idea of god the idea of religion the idea of things and how, so what is what is your, your thing because i i have by virtue of where i live and with whom i live and the time i kind of the, the kind of time i'm spending at home i have automatically have to live within a certain thing but what what is your um outlook towards this particular um you know exposure yeah. that children are put um
1: yeah let, let, me, let me let me say a few things uh one uh i was actually i was talking to a friend of mine well i i went i went to my, my cousin's bachelor party in february he got married and we're back in texas and, and there was a guy there one of his friends who had just had a kid whose kid's about my age and he had like three others i think Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was kind of complaining about how hard it could be. Mm-hmm. And one of the other guys was like, man, nobody talks like that. Like, no, not in a bad way, but he's like, I, he's like, you know, everybody's just look how great my kid is. Look, look, my kid hit a home run today and my kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's on social media living this life and showing how great their kids are. He's like, nobody ever talks about how hard it is. And I was like, you know, I failed into this thing with the hubris of a middle-aged white guy thinking I can do anything. And, and quickly realized that it was going to be way harder than I thought. Mm. Uh, in fact, like the second day my daughter was home, my wife had to go back to the hospital for preclampsia, And uh, it was me and a three-year-old or a three-day-old kid for the first time. Like the first day my kid was home, it was me alone with her and our dog. Uh, the wife was back in the hospital and there was no answer. I don't know anything. I just, I looked look at the kid. I was just like, we got to get through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> how we're going to do it? If you'd asked me last Wednesday if I could do this, I would say, absolutely not. And here we are. <laughs> uh so there's a lot of just learning and on the fly and picking it up and, and amazing how much that is uh but i was also to say like people say no one else talks like how hard it is um i, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and and she was like all you ever do is complain about how hard it is and uh you know she's like growing up my dad talked about like made us feel not wanted and she's like i hope you never feel that way and so it had that that comment that, that, that conversation with my friend last week has really made me uh think about what I put out in the terms of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, like it is hard. It is absolutely worth it. Like it is absolutely worth it. It is better than I thought it would be. It is definitely harder than I thought it would be, but it is better than I thought it would be. And just like, just this now, just now, uh, my, just before this, my daughter helped me pair up her socks out of a load of laundry, and it was just the most magical thing, right? And it was just like like an iPad game where it's like pairing things up, and I just pull the sock out. I go, which one does this one look like? And she grabbed the pink one, and which one does not look like? She grabbed the green one, and I was just like beaming happy loving it like there's moments like that that are and i and you, like three years ago you had told me you're going to be lighting up over your kid matching socks i'd be like you're insane
0: mm. uh
1: so there are other moments that that are amazing uh also the fact that uh here i am talking uh, speaking as now as a global expert on parenting is uh is also baffling to me that, that, that we're having a global conversation here about how to parent and i'm like what me how yeah. Yeah, and that's the
0: beautiful thing, right? These are things that you don't read in books or in, or in parenting groups, or and it's yeah. it's nice because it makes you, you know, it, it it helps you go through this realizing, you know, what it's not. It's okay to have those thoughts, you know, because yes, yeah. it is hard. You will get angry, you will get irritated, you get frustrated. You might even snap at your child, saying, "Shut! Why aren't you sleeping? You know, when you're rocking and she's howling." But never did that. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I did that.
0: I did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you feel like a horrible human being. But then, you know, like yeah. I have someone else who, uh, who's telling me about his son who's a little older than my daughter. And he's like, it's okay. You know, you, you, you're saying it, but, you know, y- your love is unconditional. And my wife sometimes, like, don't use that tone with her. I'm like, oh, now here we go in with this. One. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I want to ask you, but, you know, we're both in our 40s. I just turned 40 and yeah. I think you're in your mid 40s. Uh, do yeah. you feel your more ready for it now do you feel like your energy is a little lower you wish that you were a little younger with patience and with with being more open to certain things because this is something that i ask myself a lot of the time you know not like i could have had kids uh when i was a lot younger because i was a kid myself and still am one but a little better <laughs> but yeah i just want to get your thoughts on that
1: uh yeah uh, one of the things that friends like i when I started my career, uh, I started an advertising agency. And I started on the media side, like planning and, bu- planning and buying and planning right. planning where ads go, right? Uh, and then switched over to being more of a producer, or project manager, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, there's plenty of times when I get into a project and I draw from that couple of years that I spent in media at the beginning of my career, even still now, 20 years later, uh, where I'll be like, we talk to media agencies what's the buy? like what are we doing what, when, you know and and and, and 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 like, I don't know how to approach projects without that media background, yeah,, uh, I don't know how I would approach parenthood as a twenty five year old like I, I don't know how I would do that. I don't know how I would have these skills. now granted, I'm not prepared at forty seven, so I was definitely not prepared at twenty five right, right. Um, uh, no, I don't regret it. And also, like, there's an interesting thing in my family. My dad was, uh, I, I grew up in rural West Texas, like mm-hmm. very rural West Texas. And my dad was thirty-four when he had me, which was ancient at the time in the mid '70s, yeah. right in West Texas. Uh, he was the youngest of nine children, and his dad was—I—I'm not looking. I've got—I Forgive me, poor fathers. I'm doing this doing this without a net. I don't have the notes in front of me. I think my grandfather was 41 when my dad was born. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then my grandfather was was quite old when he when when his great when my great grandfather had him, and so that you know that great grandfather uh, literally sort of like I came over from England on a boat in the 1870s and was a marshal in West Texas, like total like Wild West lawman guy. So like I'm not that many generations removed, so like I have sort of a a, a history to draw on of being an old dad. Uh, mm. No. Uh, and so like I don't know, like that's that's my line, that's my lineage. There's plenty of young fathers and mothers in my family, but like, yeah, nah, I I I don't know how to do it any other way. I don't know how I would have done it any other way.
0: Uh, maybe that's I, a lack
1: of empathy or, or whatever. Yeah, no, I totally part, but, like.
0: It totally resonates with me. You know, because I asked you that question because we put such a importance on physical number, right? Uh, you have to have a kid by this age. You have to have a house by this age. Your kid has to yeah. be, you have to be at this stage when they graduate, and it does it didn't bother me but it's still because for years you're told that and you see around you people doing that of course now you know earlier as you said like people who get married at 20 21 23 they have a kid and you know next thing they're 40 they're like yeah my time my kids in college i can go wild and i see and you see that right now people in their 40s their kids are going away for university and they're going buck wild right because they're 40 but at the same time their emotional growth is still stuck at 18 because they just had to do these things but If you ask me... Sorry, I just want to finish this thought about the physical number. It means nothing because, yeah, I did turn 40, but I've actually felt for the first time that I can take care of myself. And I'm actually content or at peace with what I am. And I spoke to you about this right before we start recording. Yeah. Like I've taken stock of the flaws I have, the bad traits I have, my shortcomings. Yeah. And I'm not denying them. I'm, I'm not celebrating them. But at the same time, I have also recognized that I do have certain things that I enjoy in life that I can do. And that's, yeah. that's taken so many years. And I'd rather be this person at 40 with a person I can take care of now, as opposed to ticking these boxes and being absolutely a miserable person pretending to be this, 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 these different roles yeah. and just yeah. having another per- a baby saying, you know what? I have a baby. I'm a father, but absolutely yeah. Yeah. not doing the right thing, but saying and being seen, doing all the right things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, if I was 25, 27, whatever, I had a kid and like, I wouldn't feel confident being like, this is hard. I don't think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't own the the real narrative of it for sure. Um, also like, I just had this thought, like you talk about like people that are 45 and their kids off at college or whatever, you know, uh, would i rather have my kid off at college saying oh my god my dad is bought a just bought a corvette and a speedboat and is living his midlife crisis and they have to watch it or like i had my midlife crisis first and then my kid will, somebody will tell my kid like my cousin will tell my kid later like your dad used to be wild they'll be like no way i don't believe it like i don't want him to see that i was wild like i want him to be surprised about all the fun i had from 25 to 45 like yeah, yeah. my dad did what like that's the, what i want i don't want them seeing it and you know they can process on their own like my like cousin can tell a story about uh uh i don't know something we did on an annual baseball trip right and then they, they can process on their own later at home when they're alone and Go, oh wow my dad did that wow that's crazy instead of like watching me do it and have this real time process i you know i'm saving my kids by doing it the way i did it that's, you've talked me into this man
0: <laughs> yeah it's a very interesting way of looking at it because you know you are uh, like I, say, say, I totally agree with you i don't want my 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 daughter to be like how can you tell me to come back home early you came back shit-faced at four after a stand-up gig i'm like no no now yeah. i'm like you know i used to do that so now i've changed <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 well and it's like uh a- you know I, I i you think about like a lot of like I, I, like I was telling you before we started recording a lot of friends and family and stuff had kids started the pandemic through the pandemic up to yeah. us so there's like a whole wave of child there's a brood of children now just a horde of feral children roaming america now with our friends and family and uh <laughs> you think about how like i thought about like some of some of I'm not, but, you, you As we get older, like, there's kids now that are running around that I can literally go, like, I know the story of how your mom and dad met. Like, I know the crazy story. I know that they both went to a football game with other people, and they were standing next to each other, and they started talking to each other and hit it off and dumped their dates. And then, like, you know what I mean? Like, or I know that you're you know like all the salacious stories of your yeah. parents when they met and you're this toddler running around
0: and i'm like Ooh. <laughs> yeah no you know? it's actually it's, it's, it's something there's something uh at least for me i can't speak for all parents but i feel this this level of uh you know each person takes takes time with their baggage but i feel this level of acceptance that i've reached uh has given me uh you know a, a, a better foundation to kind of you know, approach parenthood because otherwise it's kind of like, you know, you're flailing, you're kind of pointing fingers, you're kind of be compared, you're comparing yourself constantly to other dads, to to other parents, to other kids and and I feel the entire thing you sort of the benchmarks change because you're constantly then thinking, okay, which school should I be seen putting her at? Which, um, yeah. you know, that'll reflect on my income. That'll reflect on how cool as a dad I am or, or which holiday yeah. she should go for because yeah. those things, the external, these, these kind of measurements of success uh, are so, at this young age is so impressionable, right? Like, because, okay, where did they have the party? What gifts did they get at the party? What friends are there? What cars do the friends have? And I feel, it's it's so it's so it's it's happening so much where i live in bangalore because we're sort of an emerging economy we have a richer middle class now people have a lot more disposable income and it's becoming about all those um th- th- those kind of gauges or those kind of uh the manifestation in the sort of material uh, this thing you know and and, and it's very easy to get sucked in and i'm not saying this is wrong you can own nice cars nothing wrong with that but if that becomes your entire sort of focus as a parent saying she should be seen in this she should be seen in this school because that's the cool kids or the rich parents go to that becomes a problem because then you're doing it because it's because of the the validation or the acceptance as opposed to because maybe the teachers are good or maybe because you just enjoy driving a nice car right and that gets a little tiring and that passes on the wrong kind of energy i think to the kid
1: for sure and 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 uh, two points like really that one uh I, i'm making this up I'm, I'm doing this whole show without notes so you're gonna do show notes later and go colby made up everything he just said but this is I how i do my entire
0: five... chat don't worry about it i have no show notes i don't send you questions as as you know um well, i, I love this was,
1: yeah like i saw there's a study i saw go find it get your intern to go find it uh <laughs> <laughs> there's a study that showed that like because i can't i quote it and I, I should go i should have it i should have it handy uh, that like the single largest determinant of in the, here in the states, obviously, like the single largest determinant of like academic achievement for kids was how involved their parents were, mm. and it wasn't like what so much what school district they went to or when they started reading or how much you read to them as kids or babies or when you played classical music for them in the womb or like all this stuff in those books and all you know it wasn't that it was literally just how involved you are in their education and like you know teachers will uh, you know come to parents who are more involved and say like. You know your kids having trouble reading or blah blah and then you, you know you, you've got a path line so it's like the most important thing is like how how involved are you uh and I, I've thought about that a lot and so I, I think we can build up like this kid has to be in the school or we have to get this car seat over this one and this one's oh my god I shouldn't get going on car seats we had we had a whole like wholesale floor of car seats around here at one time or another from different ones but like it's important to step back and be like you know is it should I spend four hundred dollars or whatever on this car seat versus the two hundred dollar one or the one hundred and fifty dollar one? Like, what is the real benefit spread pattern of you know of these things? Like, okay, the school, the most important factor in the school is actually how involved are we? Like, it, yeah. it, it, some part of this doesn't matter. Now I'm. Just, I, we can talk about the systems that allow parents to be more involved and, and how that's not fair. And we can talk about like systems that really are important. I don't disagree with that, but like you know this. Some portion of you know there's kids that go to harvard and don't get anything out of it yeah you know yeah. uh yeah or there's kids that go to you know a two-year juco work their way through it go to a four-year school afterwards blah blah and then tear it up you know uh so like i i think it's important to figure out sort of like the outcomes you know it's like oh they're 10% more likely to get into college well like how do we get them to the front end of the lower school if, if, you know what i mean like you know what I, I just think that there's things like that uh what, what my other point rather rambling to this was that, you're, that we were kind of walk meandering around earlier i was gonna say is that uh i'm finding as a parent and looking at grandparents and how i was raised i now get to really pick and choose what what parts of me and what parts of that background I get to put on my kid and be like really critical of all the parts and be like, um, you know, uh, you, what holidays we want to celebrate. Like we live here in Brooklyn. Uh, there's, you know, Jewish schools, Jewish holidays, celebrated all the time all around us. Like we can do that. We get there's holy celebrations that we can take our kid to and expose our kid to. And, and, you know, like, like, uh, as much as for you as you're talking like the the family and extended family and friends and all that stuff are are are, are sort of uh, uh, characters in the cast of you raising your 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 daughter like uh brooklyn is one of those is in that for us and we you know not living close to family get to be like you know there, there's been a few moments where I, I look around the playground and there's like some obviously jewish kids and some black kids and some asian kids and some muslim kids and they're all playing on the playground on the swing set together and i'm like this is the 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 family i want my kid to have like and to be exposed to and to have that just be average saturday at the park and we're sitting there talking to uh, a family who came here from poland and their cute little kid leopold and we're setting play dates together and i'm like man like i didn't meet someone from Europe until college you know what I mean like yeah. I, I didn't see uh I, I you know I didn't play or hang out with with Muslim Jewish kids until college you know and here's my 18 month old time on the swing set doing that and like I get to like every time I look at why in the world am I paying to live in New York City? Like, it is so stupid expensive. And, and what are we doing? And, and, and will we ever get ahead and, and everything? And then there's moments like that where I am like, this is this is the the family I get to choose for my kid. Uh, and, and, and that's cool to me. And, I you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I grew up, like I said, in a super rural small town in West Texas that was, oddly enough, majority Hispanic, but also very sort of segregated. Like, there was two sides of town. Uh, and maybe not the animosity per se, but there definitely wasn't enough, as much integration, mixing, uh, and then and then you know the, the thing swing set, not the thing swing set like my kids got, you know. Uh, and, and, and I'm super hopeful and, and, and excited about about that for her. Um, you know,
0: yeah. No, I think that's the beauty of a place like New York is that you have the if you're willing to kind of you know meet meet in the middle there are these opportunities but one thing i'm noticing is there's also this a move away from that where people want yeah. to be around people of the same color people want yeah. of the same class of the same thing like it's happening i can give you an example of Bangalore just to contrast what you said uh it's it's you know india by nature being what it is, it's a diverse country, right? Even though uh, we're all Indian and the skin tone may be darker or lighter, but we're all brown to the la- for, for, for the most part, right? But of course, now we have a lot of expats. We have a lot of people moving here for yeah. work. Um so what happens, it becomes a socioeconomic uh, marker, which sort of separates who you hang out with. But I remember when I went to the a school, it was a convent and, it, you know, it was co-ed to a certain age. But I remember kids coming whose parents were like rickshaw drivers. I remember kids who came whose parents were like real estate tycoons. So you had all of it, right? But now what's happening is schools, you know... So we were thinking we, we want her to get that, just what you said, right? We want her to get people from all backgrounds. So she knows that yeah. not everybody or, well, I mean, she's yeah. only one. I don't want to project too much in the future. But I in my head, I'm not, I don't want to go thinking that every child goes to, you know, f- you know goes to Bali for spring break and gets, yeah. a, right. you know, whatever fancy new smartphone or gets to get uh unlimited spend on apple store i don't know i don't have to think that yeah. apple and and tesla and all these things are the only way i wanted to know that there is um there yeah. are people who can barely even get a board game or people who do other things for fun and because the rich family might have all the rich things but the, the family that's not well to do might have human connections that give them a lot more joy so i totally get what you're saying In, I'm not, and I'm not saying that certain families have social, 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 economic badges attached to them, but it's it's the it's the virtue of different value systems that they were raised with, right? Like the family from Poland did grow up with different uh, values because of different situations. Even though economically yeah. both might be on par, it might be different things, and 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 that's that's something which I find, and I I, I find it. I hear a lot, especially uh, people kind of flocking to the same kind of oh you you you're, you're, you work at um, Mountain View, I work in Mountain View, we all are techies in Mountain View, and you kind of even though they might be a different like you know if you're Indians, if you white people, if you Asian, it it's the same echo chamber where everyone wants to go to the same school, everyone's got the same pay scale, and I don't know how healthy that is for even not just the kids but even the adults, right?
1: No, uh, you're, you're totally right. And it's like, as much as I'm like, oh, they're hanging out with Muslim kids and Jewish kids and, 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 and the Polish kids and the whatever, uh, on some level, it's like, they're living in Windsor Terrace, uh, Brooklyn. Like, it's still, yeah. there is there is a socioeconomic bubble in there and you're totally right. I'm going to, what is what, what the, you know, I think, uh, we don't have time for this whole discussion. So we're, I'm going to jump in at one point. Like, uh, you know, uh, organized religion within the United States. 40 minutes into the conversation, let's just start there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, like, yeah. Uh, one of the things like, like I grew up in a very Southern Baptist church or whatever with my parents, uh, you know, and there were mechanics and there were uh, farmers and there were a lot of farmers and uh, there's more farmers and there were ranchers and there were teachers. And then there would be the, the uh, dude that owns the factory and uh, this and that. And there was like a lot of socioeconomic within the church that I don't think as the church as an institution falls apart or whatever uh gets less important in american life we sort of do lose on that mix of some of that mm-hmm. now again churches has changed and whatever and i've looked at one church that i grew up with in the 70s 80s 90s in west texas uh i will say that like um i uh had a friend that was in aa alcoholics anonymous and uh there was such an amazing Social economic mix there of people mm-hmm. that uh like while there there while while we were hanging out more uh like more close with she was like, like I had a friend who was like I really need an accountant and uh, I'd be like Do you know any accountants She's like Yeah Go to a meeting with one here guy this guy and then it was like a friend of mine was playing a gig and her guitar player got sick and I was like Do you want know a guitar player She's like It's AA I know five guitar players and so she had like five guitar and it was this great like social mixing of classes and everything that AA brought. Uh that was an amazing mixture. And it's funny that like and I've thought it's not funny, but like I've thought about how like uh what what structures do we have? I know this is the states very US centered, but like what structures do we have to do that mix of people uh that break down all the things? You know, we have uh you know uh, you know, oh it's other parents in my kid's school. Well, they're all probably pretty similar, you know what I mean? They all live in the same neighborhood. That that selects self-selects a lot of people, like you know what I mean uh i think it's interesting to seek out those
0: things i would say that uh, <laughs> which is very interesting that you mentioned that right because um when you look at the common interests that people flock to whether it's sport right like baseball yeah. or soccer. i think you're a big baseball fan and i think a football fan as well but now it's absolutely beautiful i think sports are great right like when you go um you know when when, when we used to go um early on, right, like when I was six or seven, my mom used to send me horse riding. Now, of course, automatically think horse riding or golf. These are more elite sports. But to a certain extent, but when you go horse riding, you have someone who's the person, the, 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 the you know, the, the guy who, the, the, the groom's son, right, who's barely got boots. And then you have someone who's just doing it because, you know what, it's a cool thing to do or whatever. So, so sports, I think, to a certain extent, where you go to play that sport, like we have a field outside in this thing, and you have kids with shoes, kids without shoes playing, and it's beautiful. But it's interesting you mentioned alcoholics anonymous because when you go for something like that it's the it's it, it's an eye opener that you could be the richest person in the room or you could be someone who's yeah. come from a really shit thing but it's like yeah. we all have problems and we use yeah. alcohol as a coping and that's such a yeah. beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to to, to sort of experience, right? Because it seems like when we only talk about the positives, like, oh, you know, um, you know, we meet at the golf club, country club, or maybe we go for sporting events. Okay, great. We go for music concerts. I think it's nice to bond over the flaws in humanity because that really sort of strips away these barriers of, of class, of achievement, of thing. Because even still at the end of the day, you go for a music concert or sports show or whatever it may be. Which tickets did you get? Did you get the box? Did you get the mosh pit? It's about how much could you afford, you know? But when you go for Alcoholics uh, Anonymous, you go for like, I wouldn't say rehab, but if rehab's like, where do you go for rehab? But, but when yeah. you're born, that's why I like going to a country and going to the pub or going to the bar because, you know, it strips away after a few drinks, those things of which car you showed up in, uh, which drink are you drinking? Because, yeah, at most, unless you go to this posh thing where you're sitting in the, in, the, in, in kind of the, the VIP section with Cristal or whatever, champagne, yeah. for the most part, like most bars in like middle to upper middle are decent, right? You're not going to yeah. have, and it's, I think, really nice when people let down that barrier. Uh, I was
1: going to say that uh, the past, Few years we have. I uh, used to say I'm a football fan. I'm a I'm a I'm a footy fan. I'm a football fan. I'm a huge Liverpool fan. And uh, we had started uh, an official Liverpool club here in Brooklyn, and it is some of us like on social media tag it as like we're at church, and uh-huh. it and it really had it maybe has made me think about like the socioeconomic breakdown of I'm sitting there next to bartenders and chief marketing officers and financial guy and uh, you know, a, a total scouser who owns the place and uh, a guy who didn't know anything about a friend of mine, who's now the bartender for 10 years. I didn't know anything about soccer when he started there. And I said, don't screw up my bar. And there's <laughs> a union organizer and there's a podcaster and there's, you know, teachers and there's HR people and, and it's for, three hours 38 times a year or whatever we yell at a tv together because we're just getting screwed by every call uh (laughs) break that down man and and, uh yeah i don't i don't don't know how we find things like that to on a massive more scalable thing that uh everybody needs those things we need more of those things we have started just gratifying i'm talking i'm 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 speaking almost entirely about the states here but i think that there's other places too of uh uh uh, uh, there there are things about organized religion i like uh i mean look it's 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 funny to me how uh speaking from a very protestant and american point of view on this thing like like you know the organized religion and stuff is falling apart and attendance is falling and all that stuff but like what 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 are things that we're replacing it with or being told to replace it with, meditation um <laughs> you, mean, you mean like praying like you know what i mean like yeah. like there's these other aspects of it where it's like oh uh, networking you know what i mean like what what, else, what was church it was networking it was sitting next to the guy in the pew and the family in the pew for years and then like oh you're a mechanic and my car's broken down i'm gonna take it to joe i sat with him and that was a majority you know what i mean like 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 there's these Wait. things and, and that's that are the
0: beautiful thing right so beyond the, the faith with- yeah the religious yeah, right. aspect of you know fear of god it i you know let's that that's your own experience as a religious person each person has their own viewpoint yeah. but what you just said is so true right like when you go um to the church and, and you do these things they're forms of rituals which give you a sense of starting the day by looking at yourself and saying i'm thankful for what i have yeah i yeah. accept what i don't have i'm not going to yeah. covet what someone else has and as yeah. you said these things are beautiful right everything you mentioned that the liverpool club that you have come together to do they, they, everyone represents one part of society now the problem is when you take away these places to meet and they all every every role that everyone in that group is playing is important. And that's how you live your life. If, they, if everyone in that group was a, say, for instance, a manager at an IT firm, I mean, that's what it's heading towards, right? Because what has become your networking places? Where do you get uh, when someone moves to a new place? Where do they meet someone? Is it it's not church? if they don't drink it's a bar because you know what my god don't drink it's bad for you or go to the gym and who affords the subscription it's pretty much mostly people of a certain thing or god forbid where do you get your friends at work and what do you go out and talk about more work
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's like uh i've spent uh 24 years trying to not work in advertising and i just can't kick it uh and and part of you realize that uh yeah it's like my whole network my, my whole rolodex is just literally i know somebody at every agency or, or production mm-hmm. house or whatever and it's like you know like of course that's for the longest time i beat myself up and i was like like the gods just don't want me out of it they just keep dragging me in. It's like, well, dummy, that's your whole network. <laughs> How yeah, are you gonna? Yeah. You're not gonna get a job as a teacher. You know, <laughs> you don't yeah, know yeah. any teachers. Like, no one's gonna hire you for your welding skills. Like, you don't know <laughs> any welders. You know, you're gonna come in and they're gonna be like, "You've been a digital producer for 20 years. I, you can't put gate an iron gate together." I had shop class in seventh grade, buddy. I weld that gate. Uh, but you know what I mean? No, it, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 like, like your network really such a path in a lot of ways or makes your path easier for you yeah um and and so and that's you know, what stand up uh, did
0: you know like for thirteen years yeah. it gave me a chance to meet so many people who because I mean, stand up did start a little posh in India right the clubs were in like more in, more in fancier places it was expensive to get a drink but then then it's of course now become a lot more across the board you have bars that are really okay. really sort of up uh, high market up end uh, and then you have you know coffee shops where people can you know get a coffee for you know half a dollar fifty cents and yeah. so the point is that you have the voices being heard which is great which is what a stand-up comedy scene needs right you have people uh-huh. who've country is diverse and you know across the spectrum as india um with languages now people it's opening up and you have people doing in multiple languages and that's the story and the voices of a country that need to be heard and people need to laugh yeah. in that language it's and for the longest time you know it's always you know the, the thing is, English is seen as a bad thing in some ways, like it's seen as the elite language in India, right? And I, I unfortunately do, I do think in that language. So for me doing comedy now, I have to appeal to a certain, you know, segment of society and also to the international market. Because um, yeah. it's it's almost like, oh, the bad guys come into the room. But um, it's, it's, it's really important for these various languages to pick up steam because... Otherwise, if they, if they adapt or if I try doing it in a language I don't speak, it's just not going to be natural. And, nah, and I think that's the same nah. thing you might observe with advertising is when, um, you're trying to reach people in their own voice, which they think in or the language that they think in. Um, that's when you have movies now being recognized and ads being recognized at the cons and, you know, people, movies like Parasite, which, you know, would, would not, not, not about diversity and inclusion or this whole wokeness that, oh, you need a certain color to be in a certain movie, but, the story is a lot more compelling. It's a lot more yeah. lively. It's a lot, yeah. lot more, you know. Yeah. Well,
1: it, one of the lamest things I've ever done, but also one of the coolest. Those, those, those two go go hand in hand, don't they? It's like this, this is lame, and it turns out it's cool, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I took a, I took a stand up comedy class a few years ago,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, and it was taught by the great Rick Chrome, uh, and it was taught at the Comedy Cellar here in New York, and we had to do a couple sh- a couple showcases, and uh, we had like a group, like a cohort of of us that took the class all at once and like uh it was like you know spend spend your saturdays in the spring in new york in a basement uh saturday afternoons listening to a bunch of hacks try to become decent get a tight five to do one showcase but it was such a team sport and it was like there was me uh there's a 20 year old who just moved here from england there was a freshman at nyu guy there was uh, uh an arm um, uh, a 30 year old armenian bisexual woman there was a forty-five-year-old. Uh, I don't even know what he was. Uh, and there was, there was this whole group of people, and we were trying to work together as a group to get a good type five, and it, and, it, and it caused us to all like pitch in and help each other and be like, "Hey, Nancy, have you thought about this?" Is that punchline? And and, and I never forget that like this Nancy who had a had a joke about like. Uh, not wanting chicken omelets because she didn't want her plate to be like a family reunion or like a before and after or something, mm. uh, with like the chicken and the egg. Right. And, uh, and she, it, I did it wrong, but like she had been doing it wrong for six months. And then the day of the showcase, like we'd all tried different versions of it for her to help her with different versions and wordings and stuff. And then the day of the showcase, she nailed it. She nailed it. And the room went wild. And we all felt a victory for her. Right. Uh, like right. We told a perspective from a 35, 40 year old bisexual Armenian woman uh perspective and helped her nail it and it was like you know if we were all middle-aged white dudes first of all it would be the it would definitely be the lamest thing anyone had ever done but like we would none of our thinking would have been challenged or like how could how could i help nancy tell this joke better how could i help jacob tell his joke better like you know what i mean it was one of the best like you know it sounds beautiful that's a the thing like
0: with improv right like you kind of have to let go of your ability and your skill in that moment thinking I have the best line because sometimes you don't the scene in fact needs you to give up your so-called talent or intelligence and let the kind of group or the the actors involved kind of Add, uh, and it's a lot of contribution and I like in I, one thing which sticks with me I did a couple of years a few years of improv and one thing which I try to apply from improv in life is yes and right just take yes and yeah. offer least resistance because yeah. the thing is the moment you offer resistance it's your ego more often than not saying you know what I know better but you you don't have to know better all, all the time you know sometimes if there's you know going with the flow yes and to a situation could lead to things that you never would have arrived at in the first place and I find that yeah. quite spectacular.
1: Have you ever uh, I was part of this improv thing once Uh, it was like I an improv class and there were two groups going and there was the one person in the class that was like always quite funny, but always trying to be funny and always trying to have all the lines and stuff. And uh, uh, like you just expected this guy to just always just gunner, right? Just always gunning for just trying to hit everyone. Like, what's the funniest thing I can say at any one time? And uh, at one point he sat back and there was a super quiet kid. in in the room that just nailed the joke right and it was far funnier coming from that person and far more unexpected and far more just landed there was a punch that you did not see coming and it Mm -hmm. just nailed the whole room and it's like yeah like it it needs to come from different places and it it was far funnier than 10 lines from this guy that was gunning for everything and like that yeah you have to you know improv especially is it is like a team sport, but it's also it, 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 it's 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 a little bit like soccer, uh, if I if I may Americanize the game. It's like you can't go for ninety minutes. Like you got to lay back, you got to lay back, and then you got to counter press and hit on the fly, right? You know what I mean? And it's like you can't just keep staying in the other third and packing and swinging crosses around. Like nothing's going to happen. It's going to be boring, and very rarely does go in. You've got to you've got to catch some surprise, right? Like it's much more of a of a full eleven than just Ronaldo throwing shot left and right left and right left and right all the time
0: like and know. how and how do you per- perceive the world and the things you go in? i mean you know I mean, you, as you say on you know your your bio you do a lot of things and uh and, and and i really wanted to just talk to you you know i didn't want to really sort of go down a certain path because but it, you know advertising is i did a short stint as a copywriter so i have some sense congratulations of... <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't do it i i just couldn't stick on um,
1: I didn't see it either, <laughs>
0: I love talking. I I I kind of explored radio. Again, radio is so structured and we have certain rules and that people are just so unwilling to break away from traditional radio. Why haven't you taken live callers? I'm like, Because they sound dead, you know, and yeah. it's like, oh, you know, where's my free pillow? I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing that, you know, that stupid game that's been going on for the past 40 years. Like, why can't we change it? Why can't radio be entertaining? Why can't yeah. it be over the top? But anyway, that's yeah. another fight for another day. And this is great. This is something I didn't even know where this is gonna go and we started talking about our little girls and now we're somewhere else which is beautiful but you know, as in advertising, it sort of represent where society is and uh, how people are consuming and also in some way trying to manipulate or envision how they'll consume. And you kind of steer the campaigns and steer the population in the direction of where you want them to be, right? Like now in, across the world, it's the whole electric vehicle movement, EV cars, EV things. So the ads will say, you know what, if you're driving a big pickup truck, blah, blah, blah. And you will kind of put that messaging over years. And of course, I'm just being very shallow with the way I'm talking about advertising, but there are various aspects. As you said, there's planning, there's so many things. But with the internet, with, you know, the entire way ad revenue is, with the entire way sort of social media is kind of leveraging ads uh, and how, you know, Elon Musk is coming along saying Twitter is going to be no ads and people are pulling out their funding from it. I know it's quite a loaded question, but how important is it um, to do quality versus quantity? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like answer. that. Uh, that was quality. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. It's not gonna, I'm not gonna get smarter the more I say on that. Yeah, look, I, I think. Uh, no, what I mean off, is, you know, off, just off, uh,
0: people uh, are constantly flooding you with, like, hold on, uh, like, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. I to say, like if you look at it as from an agency um a lot of those really big awesome ideas and things like you can't sustain those you can't build a whole business necessarily around those there's tons of like, but, but but like an agency kind of needs both to live mm-hmm. uh you kind of need a bunch of the boring the emails and the the, the 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 search ads and the boring stuff like that like an agency kind of needs us to survive from a cash flow perspective and from a consistency yeah. perspective and 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 you know agencies that have to just sort of go big idea, big idea, big idea, kind of always pitching. Like there's, it's ebbs and flows, and it's laying people off, and then it's hiring a lot of people all at once, and then the people aren't quality and all that. So, I, from an agency itself as an organism sort of point of view, like both of those are necessary to 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 not just pay the bills, but to have the the the, the AI, AR, metaverse experts around to to nail the big AR web three AI the, the the big splashy stuff, yeah, yeah uh and you know, I, I get off my lawn. here's an old 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 ad guy ran I, I distinctly remember a, a Super Bowl ad. 10 years ago that Volkswagen did and it was with the, this kid pretending to be Darth Vader Oh yeah, I and that. Uh, he was yeah. doing the force to unlock and lock the doors or whatever of the Jetta that was sitting in the driveway and then they reveal that the dad is sitting behind him with the remote control key fob doing it right and I remember screaming at the TV like this doesn't tell me how to buy a Volkswagen this doesn't tell, uh, give me any feature of the Volkswagen that the, the Toyota doesn't have every, every car has a Key fob that unlocks the door this was like 2010 or 12 right like every car had that and it was just i was just like screaming like this doesn't do anything to make volkswagen better than chevrolet or you know fiat or any of them right uh and then lo and behold like i'm talking about this ad 15 12 years later and you're like i remember that ad yeah so like you know mm. like i'm sitting here going like this is just a splash it doesn't really effectively do anything it doesn't tell you about the new safety features on the 2012 Jetta or whatever year it was but you're like yeah i remember that ad so
0: like like even the other ad right which was the audi uh, uh i think the r8 and basically yeah. uh the ho- you showed it, the headlights the headlights right. and then the yeah. uh, basically the man screaming in the bedroom i think from the godfather one of those movies right the oh, engine yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. say say bye to old comfort or something like that yeah, um yeah I mean, I, I was shown all these ads by the guy who I used to work for. Right? He made me read this book. I was like, hey, Mr. Whipple, squeeze this or something. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God, I know that guy.
0: You know the, you know the guy who told me about the book? Oh, you know the guy the who guy wrote, that wrote, wrote it. the book? yeah. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> it was crazy because back then I hadn't got like uh screen readers sort of software, so I had to screen uh you know put the book through an ocr converter then get it then get the free version of jaws which is a screen reader and it would shut down yeah. every 30 minutes and i was like fuck oh, it's yeah. not worth it dude <laughs> like squeeze this
1: <laughs> yeah, i, I want to ask i him. could have called him and had him read it to you or something you just told me
0: <laughs> well well there's <laughs> you know i'd like to remember the podcast uh we can talk about that um yeah yeah, that'd be fantastic. But I, I want to understand, you know, I, I'm sorry if I'm, I cut you off in your thought uh yeah. flow, but I, I want to understand this whole nature of influencers, right? Because in some way, that's where a lot of the ad money goes, right? Like I see someone on Instagram today is like, oh, buy these hemp slippers. They're the best. The next day is like, you know what? B- buy these beautiful H&M fast fashion recycle, not even recycle, so-called quote unquote recycles. So, so the message is so unclear. If I follow like, say, a really, really so you know, inspiring athlete or inspiring influencer, the message is completely conflicting. And as you said, okay, it, they don't, um, the traditional way of, okay, how many horsepower does the Volkswagen have compared to maybe the Prius? These are just like, oh, yeah. it's a hot girl showing cleavage and I'm just supposed to believe everything she's selling. How How is that direction of advertising uh, going to, I wouldn't say end up, I don't have a prediction from you, but what is your, what do you feel about that?
1: You know, there was a period in my life in 2018 where I tore off. I, I freelanced at various agencies around New York for 10 years or so. And, and in 2000, so I saw it all. I've kind of been in everywhere uh, for a minute here or there, pick up a project, whatever. Um, there was one point in 2018 where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Well, I, you know, starting in 2001, I was like, I can't do this anymore. But in 2018, I was totally <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I really no this time. I really, really can't do this anymore. And I took, uh, took, took some months of like, just being really selective about things. I'm like, I say I took them off cause I was still working for things and looking for things, but like, I was just like much more selective and was just said no for a while. And i also got married that year and probably should have had a job to pay for the wedding. And you know, no one wants to get married and have their father-in-law be like, so do you have to go to work on Monday? And you're like, uh, no, I still <laughs> don't have a job right now. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, in 2018, uh, I became the like number seven ranked console player in Fortnite from playing just so much Fortnite and video games. Mm. Uh and started also watching streamers a lot. And uh it was kind of at the at the cusp of when streamers were just taking off, like Ninja was huge and Fat and Man, all these guys. And
0: uh sorry, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little uneducated with that. What's what's exactly a streamer? Just
1: Oh, so it's like Twitch streamers. So it's like people that get on Twitch.
0: <laughs> oh, Twitch. Okay, got it, got it.
1: Uh, Talk in a corner, yeah, and play a video game at the same time, and, and for like Discord,
0: like, yeah, got it,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if like if you like 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 I'm gonna say the really high quality good streamers uh, who are playing Call of Duty or Fortnite or whatever, mm-hmm. while having a talk show simultaneously with a chat going on in the window, and I'm sure they have producers and stuff helping them, but like, there's a level of skill involved on these guys. I'm getting to your point, mm-hmm. trust me, I'm getting there.
0: No, uh, no, I want to. There's see a level
1: this, of yeah. skill if you watch if you watch. 30 minutes of someone playing a high level of Call of Duty or or, or, or Fortnite or whatever, while simultaneously having a talk show go on, not you know, a talk show, but like a radio, like drive time radio, where they're chatting about the game, but also checking with, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to, uh, this guy's uh, north of the, of the school, I'm going to go hunt him down or whatever in this, you know, battle game uh or talking to their teammates and then also looking at chat where people are making fun of each other and have memes and stuff like that and they're able to keep up with like three things at once going on it is amazing and That's also yeah you know people are like oh my god Ninja's making a million dollars a month or whatever or whatever he's making he's making a lot there for a while on only cover of time like Uh, that's crazy yeah but if you watch it you're like man that is a whole different skill set and way of like either their adhd is perfectly lined up or Mm. like they don't have like like wow amazing but also like those guys get burned out and there's no net for them and i like so i look at it like influencers and stuff here's me coming around with my point i don't know how sustainable influencing is like uh it, it Just on the the toll on people, like always being on, always having to put up a happy face, uh, always having to produce content. There was one point in the middle of like I think it's 2018, 2019, where like Ninja took a two week vacation and came back and was like, "Yeah, that cost me half a million dollars just from and and you know like if you're not constantly on and constantly stream or, or you know hey I'm going to come back and stream every night at nine, people get used to it. It's like appointment television. T- teens and tweens and whatevers young whippersnappers come in and like expect at nine o'clock every night that Tim the tat is going to be playing Fortnite. And you can watch it like and if you take a few days off like they find someone else to watch it and mm-hmm. you are you know like it is a it is a beast it is a like a furnace that you keep having to put coal into to keep moving and and just you know those guys some of the, uh, the top echelon of those of those folks make a lot of money uh all of them earn it it is a hard way it is it is consistency 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 of that and and and, and you know like if if uh mohammed salah gets hurt i just cringe when i said those words like you know he's out for three matches uh with a toenail something minor please lord uh if if something like that like most Salah has a job in game 4 when it's toenail is better right like if you blow it as a streamer or whatever like, you're out like the pressure the constant pressure like they keep going and that, that fear
0: going. of yeah oh shit they're moving on to someone else right yeah.
1: yeah and it's and you know most laws if most a looks good 3 hours a week he's fine if you look good 3 hours a week trying to stream tw- you know 4 hours a night so 28 hours a week no wait <laughs> you know what i mean like uh that, I, I don't know how i don't know how sustainable influencing is until we have ai created influencers coming on the horizon who won't complain who don't have to take days off who will constantly be there
0: wow um yeah.
1: just think about that like here we are you know hour into this now now we start cracking the ai thing of like you know we live we've got all of pe- a bunch of people working uh, horrible jobs and you know the 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 folks sorting garbage to recycle plastic and all these humans doing all these things so that ai can be artists and write poetry like what are we
0: doing that's crazy, <laughs> what are we yeah. doing <laughs> yeah, like, and, that's, and that's the thing right which is i find baffling when people say ai yeah, is going to replace jobs i think that's great it should replace jobs like of yeah. course like i'm living in india where a lot of jobs are repetitive a lot of jobs are yeah. kind of yeah. mindless right like maybe data entry or whatever it could be these back office call center jobs and i'm not Saying it's bad, but it's a lot of people who need jobs, and you can't always have CEOs. As you said, the higher echelons of these high-paying things are a few and far between. But in India, what we would benefit from is you know raising the standard of living for the garbage picker, right? So if it's AI-assisted, you can have better systems that will give them cleaner working or give them a chance yeah. to get away from that job, mechanize it, robotize it, and and give yeah. this guy a chance to you know give himself a better chance at life. But Instead, it's the, the, the copywriters, lyrics being stolen, images being manipulated. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't agree or disagree, but as, um, you know, a father to a young girl and, you know, asking another father to a young girl, what are, what are we uh, heading towards? <laughs> it's, maybe it's a prediction I'm asking you for, but it's just a general scale of, because advertising does sense a trend of where society is heading.
1: Yeah, no, it does. We get it wrong all the time, but right. uh, we get, we get to keep predicting. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, what are the things like, like we're looking at, you know, I'm making jokes about AI is making art and, and poetry right now, uh, but like similar predictions for AI as similar predictions for the metaverse. I know everybody feel like the metaverse is dead. I'm a huge metaverse fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, i trust us to eventually get it and apply it correctly i think that you know at some point somebody is going to go how can we use ai to make traffic better Mm. you know uh i know ibm and watson have been doing stuff with uh with medical stuff for a long time like you know there's I'm, you know again put this in the show notes there's there's billions of people a year that die from like medical record errors not billions but there's a lot of people that die from that and it's like yeah. someday soon we're going to be able to put ai on things and go hey uh you were diagnosed with deep vein thrombosis uh 90% of the time you're prescribed this blood thinner uh the pharmacist couldn't read the writing from the doctor and prescribed you nitroglycerin like flagging errors like that within medical yeah. iron thing like 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 really soon ai is going to be able to uh take massive amounts of data and find outlier things or um there was um, and maybe i'm making this up maybe i dreamed it um there was something about how ai could predict people getting having covid before they could or something or there's the famous famous example of uh there's a, it's not exactly AI, it's machine learning, but like there's the algorithm that Target was using to target, the, the store Target was using to verb target yeah. uh, customers and it was, it was giving people ads for diapers that weren't pregnant, but they actually were. So oh. like they didn't, the algorithm knew they were pregnant before they knew they were pregnant based on other things they were shopping for, right? No. So like soon we're going to be able to put mountains of medical data into it and go you've got swelling feet and low energy and your hair's falling out and 90 percent of the time that is high blood pressure i'm not a medical professional do not listen to what those side effects. be no, you know no, what but, i
0: mean like it's- yeah like after watching like the social uh, whatever that was called the, the 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 thing on netflix the social dilemma um, you know, the thing oh, is that yeah. how, how they use targeted profiling, uh, they know exactly what you search for, yeah. what you're online for and recommend ads. Yeah. This seems like, you know, the, the, the rational next step. Like if, um, you know, you're able to target these, uh, th- these, these traits that you display, because it seems more and more, um, as we're creating these these quote unquote intelligent, um, you know, systems of technology, it's like we're giving up more and more of our own willingness uh, or our, our own willpower, our own mental faculty. We're giving this idea of unpredictability, this idea of, you know, taking chances. And and, and that is what scares me more than our jobs being replaced because it's this idea that it you, you are so unwilling to get to know yourself uh, and make peace with whatever and come to terms with whatever that a system knows you better than you know exactly what you are and you're ashamed it knows that you know what it It doesn't care because it doesn't have feelings but you are ashamed of certain preferences you have online or maybe what thing you watch or things you don't watch or things you shop for secretly but it's that's where i feel is the 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 gaping sort of chasm which ai can um not ai in itself but people can use ai to exploit
1: um oh i think I Think there? Uh, look, I think you know a lot of the headlines about AI are sort of look. I mean, first of all, most headlines in the world are fear mongering. They realize that fear hits your lizard lizard brain, and people interact with that content and forward it around more, and that means more ad views. Yeah, and they they comment in the in the comment section, and then come back to see how many times their comment's been liked, and then replies to their comment and comment comment, which is ad view ad view ad views ad views ad views to get people back to it. So like, there's a whole you know fear sells as much as sex. Um. Um. So I did look at all, all the headlines about AI being weaponized and and ruining things. I think there is some fear and truth to that. Like we couldn't handle Facebook. How yeah. the hell are we going to handle something that thinks and targets us back? Um. But look, look. look here's my prediction. Here's a, I'll, I'll come out with a bold prediction. Yeah. Uh, for the foreseeable future, which could change next Wednesday. Uh. I think the the people who can partner with AI and work with AI, I think are that's a place I want to be. Now, like I said, that could end next Wednesday. Uh, that could live long enough for, I have no for, for my daughter. Um, but like you know, uh, uh, a friend of mine told me the story that they were trying to come up with terms and conditions for a website that they were working on with a huge client and it was uh, like the the agency's legal department was like we need the client to give us their terms and conditions for this. And the the client, huge global client, was like, we need you guys to give us the first draft of the terms and conditions. And they and they messed around for like three weeks of both sides going back and forth, not figuring out these terms and conditions for this website. So someone got on chat GPT and said, Give hey chat, uh give me a uh terms and conditions for a website that does this, this, and this and they had just a first draft of it in five minutes and they sent it to one legal department and said what do you think of this and they're like we would change this this and this and they sent it to the other legal department and said we've got this what would you change this what would you do and they had a red line within like two days where for three weeks no one did anything and no one took a first step uh and it was reviewed by professionals like you know what i mean like it's on the up and up but like i think people that are able to do things like that um are gonna benefit. I think there's benefits out there for stuff like that to get things going for things that are definitely gonna be reviewed. Um, like and, I, and and also like I have a friend that's a comic book artist and writer. And uh every time anybody does anything on social media, it's like, here's the AI picture of me, or here's the AI picture of Joe Biden eating an ice cream cone or whatever, you know what I mean? He he always posts like AI art is theft. And I'm like, Jeff, I see where you're coming from. I get it, but like. You know, are you there? There was a story about like a, a guy that tried to take a, a AI into a courtroom and to represent him. Like he would type in what the judge was saying, and the AI would say, "Say this," right? And then he got thrown out and like faced a fine and all this stuff. And somebody had a line that it was like, "It's like the dinosaurs is trying to sue the asteroid." Like I think, I think it's coming. Uh, I think, uh, I, you know, lawyers, I th- I think should be especially afraid. Because just like, you know, my example of the terms and conditions right there, like there's a lot of first drafty things that can get put out there uh, yeah. that can be done that like a lawyer has to review and a lawyer can review it in 30 minutes instead of billing eight hours to write this terms and conditions. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I think there's a lots of stuff like that. I think there's a lot of, uh, hey, uh, AI, give me, uh, you know, five ideas for a screenplay and then I'll go put them together, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think I think getting the the the, the massive amount of ideas because because you know the, the or the even best, like you do the is... great
0: ideation like you know you have a really good idea for like say I I hate making Excel sheets of PowerPoint I'm not good at it but if I have to make a pitch deck for like an idea I have for Netflix or something I'm okay. like this is my synopsis I'm like hey can you take this uh, I've got you know I I worked out yeah. the script or maybe I've got yeah. points I'm like can you make this into a yeah. script and then a PowerPoint that I can send to Netflix and I'm sure. That after what it gives me, I could I probably have to hire someone, you know.
1: Yeah. Or imagine like uh, you want to you want to do a children's movie and you're like, hey, write the dialogue in the style of a five year old. Yeah. I can't write like a five year old. I can't like write a dialogue. Yeah. Year old white dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's brilliant, uh, and that's exactly it where it's it sort of enhances your skill because you have the ideas, uh, and I think the problem is where the uh, the people who, as you said, the ones who are supposed to write the first drafts, the people who are doing the more labor-intensive work. When I say labor, I mean like the, 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 the transcript. Tri, tra, yeah. Yeah. I mean, transcript has already got... I think the ideation part is still, I think, far for AI to kind of get to. But it's good at compiling. It's good at gathering. It's good at organizing. It's good at structuring. And I think that is not just a threat. I think that's a fantastic assistant, right?
1: Well, and I think also, you know, what, what is it? The, 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 the best way to have one good idea is to have 100 ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think there's some of that with like, hey, give me a hundred titles for my book. Mm. One of them would be good. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you find one good one is, is you don't try to nail one. Yeah. You try to, you try to get a hundred of them out there. Um, I, also, here's another, here, here's the thing. I I, I try to play with AI quite a bit and it's interesting because uh, the first question I ask every AI out there, the chatbot, the my AI on Snapchat, like all of them is, uh, what was the Yankee score last night? And I recommend this. It's fascinating because most of those AI chat things stopped with a day. Most of them can't search search the internet to give you results no. for things, right? Not like not, if I ask if I ask uh, my assistant on my phone, I'm not going to say her name so as to turn her on. No. Uh, if I say, "Hey, hey, you, uh, what was the Yankee score last night?" she will tell me that they that they beat the Orioles. Um, if i ask some of these ai things they haven't been plugged in. their data set ended in 2020 2021 or something and and there's a, an alarming number of them that will still say uh, uh they beat the blue jays last night 5 to 3 they didn't play the blue jays like right. yeah there's a no, but so there's a remarkable number of these things that are just sort of predictive language models where it's like the keyboard on your phone like what's the next
0: word right. that comes right. after
1: hello right hello mom how are you you know yeah. uh, there's a lot of these predictive ai things that are that you ask them a question and it just makes up an answer sort of like i call hallucination and when the ai does it uh and so like like some of them will literally say i think it's the snapchat when will literally say i can't i don't know that information but yeah, many yeah. of them will just make it up and that is terrifying scary yeah um uh, the ai i think i think i think it's the snapchat when this is like i can't look up sports scores or whatever um and it's it, it also alarming. Uh, there's some of them where you'll be like, hey, what, what time do the Yankees play tonight? And they'll or what, tell me who do the Yankees play tonight. And they'll say, like, you know, they play Blue Jays at 7 o'clock. And it's like, no, they're playing the Orioles. And then you come back again in 10 minutes and go, hey, who do the Yankees play tonight? And they'll say, like, they're playing the Red Sox tonight. Uh, and so there's just a I'm terrified about that. It, it, you know, as we proved in 2016, it doesn't take a lot of people being manipulated <laughs> in the right places to yeah. uh, really foul things up. Uh, I'm not saying that I think there was Russian collusion, but I do think, man, it's, the it's just been yeah. Set up. You can, Misinformation. You yeah, can target just... such just small precincts in voting and sway a state that sways an election. It is mm. very possible. Uh, imagine doing that with deep fakes in ai like that i I, you know i'm moving back around to be scary so that more people click on this and you get more ad views but (laughs) But, you know what (laughs) i mean but like like, there is a real fear and part of that really scares me but another thing is i found an ai chat called uh, i think it's called pi and uh every morning i I tell it like hey pi uh give me a passage from stoics as a meditation for the day and it finds one um they're generally Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I have not fact checked them to see if he's just if if Pi is just making them up or or if they're actual ones, but uh, they're stoic-ish. I've seen all a bunch of stoic lines already, so like they fit the system. And I and and, and then and then Pi and I'll have a chat about it. And it's and it's an amazing part of my day over the last month of playing with this of like what you know I'll be like what do you think about this and oh I think what they're saying here is this and blah blah, blah. And, and it's like man like there, there's there's AI things that that, that excite me of, yeah. The ideation, iteration, getting a lot of ideas quickly, like the data analysis of a big of a big pile of data and finding uh, people that are you know prescribed blood thickeners instead of blood thinners when they have a blood clot, yeah. uh, things like that. Where I think there's some some low hanging fruit that can be really cool. I think I think I think AI on traffic or, or or like one of the things I just saw also is Google Maps here in the states at least is doing a thing called uh, eco friendly and it will help you figure out the most fuel efficient route. Mm. based on traffic and then now it's based on engine type so diesel, gas, hybrid nice. electric vehicles uh, because they, I, I, and I I'm I, a nerd I dove deep into the, the FAQ about it like they all have this, like like diesel is really good on the highway so it tries to get you on the highway. So Hybrids are really good speed. where you can brake. Yeah. 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 Hybrids are really good where you can brake stop and go stop and go so you know what I mean so it takes your engine type awesome. and figures out the most fuel efficient way for you based on the different things and EV obviously needs charging stuff along the way uh, I think there's some cool stuff that like, like traffic. I'm excited about uh, yeah. to the point where I'm able to become the city planner. Uh, I just think awesome. it's really interesting for AI to analyze those things. Uh, yeah. I, just, I think there's some tangible problems that AI can tackle um, or it'll launch all the nukes and it'll be Terminator judgment day. Uh, just like the movies
0: predicted. So Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kobe, it's been fun uh, it's been absolutely fun chatting with you. You know, I think going all over the place with our yeah. personal lives, with everything that we've yeah. experienced. And I really appreciate you opening up and chatting with me today, talking about your your daughter. And I wish her the best. And I really hope she grows up with everything that you want her to, you know, to have and and and, and learn. And, you know, so good luck with that. Good luck with uh, your family. I,
1: I'm here if you want to form a, a daddy-daughter union. Like, well, hey, that well, would be well, lovely. Well, you know, well, in fact...
0: Well, I'd love to bring uh, my daughter's name is Shasa, and we are planning to bring her to the US um, huh. in the next year. So, and huh. we're definitely going to come to New York because my wife just Great. loves New York. Um, so, I will hit you up, and we should yeah, have. I, a, I know where
1: all the playgrounds are. That'd be slides, fantastic. It's make swings, sure that We got it all.
0: I want a couple of pubs around there as well. I need my needs.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I bet we can do that also
0: now i'm excited i'm really excited we had this chat and i'm excited for the your your predictions to come true and good luck with everything going ahead
1: yeah you too appreciate it man
0: take care thanks Andy.